Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On NFL podcast presented by the Locked On NFL Network. I am your host, Tyler Rowland. I am here with my prestigious co-host, Ryan Tracy. Back, I let him out of the shadow realm to join us this week. I was feeling kind. So uh, Ryan is here to join us. We got a lot to talk about on today's show. We got a ton of QB news to go over. We're going to start in New England. A lot to talk about there with the quarterback competition between Cam Newton and rookie Mac Jones. An interesting turn in that competition this week. Then we got more QB news to dive into as we are starting to learn some answers for these other QB competitions around the NFL. Going to talk a little Cincinnati, going to talk a little Denver, going to talk a little Jacksonville. And then finally, you're going to see me and Ryan politely disagree on a little bit of a uh, media topic that's been going around the league for the last few days. So a lot to talk about on this Thursday edition of the Locked On NFL podcast. Let's get into it. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, it's like it's a quarterback driven league or something. Everybody's got a quarterback, and it's not as pat as you think it was. It's not just chalk. Everybody's going to end up where they end up. And like you said, we got to start New England, right? Because this is like the curious case of what the heck is going on with not just their starter, but, uh, you know, the, the two-word endorsement of the rookie. Yeah, it, it, it's very peculiar the way that it's all worked out. Honestly, it, it probably rivals the Tarod Taylor and Justin Herbert situation in terms of strangeness. So just to kind of break things down for everybody, obviously, there's a little bit of a quarterback competition between the rookie Mac Jones, the first round pick, and then the incumbent Cam Newton. And throughout the all season and throughout the preseason and training camp, we've seen Bill Belichick and the Patriots organization generally speak positively about Cam Newton, that he, you know, had a better grasp on the playbook, being healthy, being here the whole time in New England has allowed him to really sink his teeth into what his job needs to be. But anytime you take a rookie in the first round, the guy's going to be knocking on the door right away. I mean, conventional wisdom was, though, that Cam Newton would be the starter going into the season. But there was an issue with COVID testing with Cam Newton this week. Essentially, Cam Newton got his COVID test done off-site, off the Patriots campus, because he could not attend for whatever reason. And the strange part about all of this is, the Patriots approved those off-site tests and said that that would work for him, but it turns out the NFL does not agree. And in their mind, it was a missed test for Cam Newton. It's going to cause him to miss uh, at minimum five days of Patriots practice and Patriots camp. And then Bill Belichick was asked if this was an opportunity for Mac Jones to maybe seize the starting role. And the two words that he had to say were, it is. So that leaves the door open for Mac Jones. And Ryan, obviously, from your perspective, we can talk about the QBs and their merits to start this year. But what's your take on just the strange situation that's played out here in New England? 
I mean, could it be any more classic for Bill Belichick? I mean, this is Man. this is something. This is the one thing that your every organization is going to pivot on is who's going to call the snaps for you. Now, I don't know that it leads to anything for for Cam. Although I can understand some folks in the in the organization being frustrated. It's a guy who dealt with COVID last year. Wasn't necessarily the most careful individual, and now you're making exceptions and you're doing things that are outside the NFL protocols and sounds a lot like the Patriots have been in history. And hey, we're just going to bend it to our will and see what happens. Yep. We'll ask, you know, forgiveness later seems to be that. But that's my favorite one. Hey, we're so excited about what's going on at quarterback. What's going to happen? Is this a good thing for him? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, of course. <laughs> Is there anything Smiling more assassin? <laughs> no, it's perfect. I mean, it's such a it's such a strange situation. It's such a a weird circumstance for the Patriots to have things play out in this way, and then for Belichick to be so coy and and be so mild mannered about such a strange situation. You're right. It it completely does work into uh, the Bill Belichick legacy, I guess, if you will. But outside of the strange situation, Ryan, just from your viewpoint. Which quarterback do you think at this point would be a better option for the Patriots should they just go ahead and dive in? Mac Jones has looked good in the preseason, but Cam Newton hasn't looked bad in the preseason. He's looked pretty much just as good as well. So if you were Bell Belichick and you were running the Patriots, which guy would you roll out there for week one with, you know, if they're both healthy, they're both good to go? You know, quite frankly, with the fragility that we've seen from Cam in the last couple of years, I would try to get the most out of him early in the season. Let Mac continue to grow underneath the tutelage of a veteran. And I don't know what their relationship is. Um, right. I hear that it's it's cordial, but I don't know how much of a mentor Cam can actually be. So let him take his lumps. He's going to be what he is. Like you said, he's looked all right. I would start the season with him, let Mac continue to grow. And then when it gets to that point where either it's not enough production or you feel you need a spark, guys love to play for Mac Jones. That's what we've heard mm. ever since we started discussing him well over two seasons ago. I'm really excited to see how it goes, but I would just roll with Cam. Yeah, I think that's that's the smart move out of the gate. Now, uh, different from a thing like like Chicago or even New England, I think what the Patriots are trying to do with their free agent signings, loading up on tight ends, how they're going to try to ground and pound on the offense. I think if you want to come out there and have as, as prolific of a rushing attack as possible, you got to go with one of the best running quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. And Cam Newton, I think that's at least where you start. Mac Jones doesn't have that explosive running ability, and we know rookie quarterbacks, they can break down a little bit. They don't read the progressions as fast. They're going to see new things in the NFL. And when all of that stuff breaks down, the mobile quarterbacks can still bail themselves out with the legs. Mac Jones is not going to be a guy to do that. So I agree with your take early on. I would go with Cam Newton. But we've talked about quarterbacks to start the show, and the train is just going to keep on rolling. We have a ton more quarterback stories to go over. We got uh, an injured quarterback coming back to start his first preseason game. We got a few QB competitions as well. So we are going to dive into that next. And like we said, the New England Patriots were our, our first team to look at. I, I do want to throw out, too, that there was a trade that came down. Tony Michelle, part of that rushing attack to try to protect the New England quarterbacks. He is getting moved for, I think it's a fifth and a sixth and a possible mm-hmm. conditional fourth. It's an interesting one. I think they've got enough horses in that stable to, to move forward in New England. But I think that also is uh, a concerted effort to give the best option to what you're going to have, I think, when Mac Jones eventually takes over. Now that's one situation. Another one that we've been waiting for this entire time, at least 
a lot of people have. I kind of thought that this was the way that it's going to work out is uh, when you when you get, you know, you rub your hands together and you're feeling a little lucky there the day before the draft that, hey, Aaron Rodgers might be available. What am I going to do? He mm-hmm. looked great in a Broncos uniform, right? And then that doesn't materialize. And we've been left with this battle between Drew Locke, the incumbent, Teddy Bridgewater, the newcomer, older player, obviously, a guy that's been around the league a little bit. Today, they went and made an announcement. Teddy Bridgewater will start for the Denver Broncos this season. How do you like that move? Uh, I think from the Broncos' perspective, it was the safest move. Because while Drew Locke gives you a, a higher ceiling, in my opinion, the best version of Drew Locke, I think, is better than the best version of Teddy Bridgewater. But I don't know that we're ever going to see the best version of Drew Locke. I don't know if he's going to get there. If you're the Broncos... I think the Broncos have a very solid roster. They got a good collection of weapons on the offensive side of the ball, running back Melvin Ingram, Javante Williams, wide receiver Portland Sutton, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy. I mean, they have Noah Fant at tight end as well. They have some good weapons. A Vic Fangio defense is always going to be reliable, and then they've added a ton of talent on the defensive side as well. Patrick Sertan looks fantastic early on as their you know top 10 pick, so When you put all that together, I think if you have a a solid quarterback like a Teddy Bridgewater who's not going to wow you, he's not going to bomb the ball down the field, he's not going to run around and make a bunch of plays, he has a a low ceiling but a very high floor, very similar to Andy Dalton in that way, in in my opinion, and the prime of Andy Dalton. I think you can get a lot of that same production and same feel from a Teddy Bridgewater. So if you feel from the Broncos' perspective – that you have a playoff caliber roster, then you go with Teddy Bridgewater, a guy who's not going to kill the game for you. He's not going to lose the game for you. He may not go out and win it, but from the Broncos' perspective, they have such a good roster that they don't need the quarterback to go out and win them the game. So regardless of my love for Drew Locke and him singing young Jeezy songs on the sideline, I love all of that. Unfortunately, he's just a little bit too risky of a player and he hasn't put it all together. And I think from the Broncos' perspective, it's smart to go with the safe route and make sure that you don't ruin the great roster that you've put together outside of that one position. Well, and unfortunately, I think they might be back in the same position next year because while Vic Fangio can call and design a great defense, he certainly got mm-hmm. personnel to achieve a great defense in this roster. Developing a quarterback is not his strength, never has been. And I, I don't want to throw Pat Shermer under the bus. But I think Drew Locke fits his scheme a little bit better than Teddy does, but we've seen it, and it hasn't been the progression. We're still seeing the risk taken when they shouldn't be. We're still seeing the lack of production. I don't think they had a choice here. When Teddy got signed, I had a a good inkling that this was the way it's going to come down, but I won't say that it's over because I think Drew Locke still has potential in him. I think that he can be a starting caliber quarterback in this league. I think he might need new surroundings and, quite frankly, a new O.C., to call for him, but we're going to have to see how it comes out. And he's not the only guy that's making some news around here. There's one Trevor Lawrence down there in Jacksonville that made a little bit of news. Yeah, and quite frankly, this is, you know, the inevitable. I, you know, as, as Thanos would say, I am inevitable. And Trevor Lawrence was inevitable. I think any time that you heard Urban Meyer say that it was an open competition, having them A and B or split on the depth chart, I think everybody just rolled their eyes at that. Some college coach coming in here trying to reinvent the wheel. No, Trevor Lawrence is going to be your starter. He's far better than Gardner Minshew. He's the number one overall pick. And quite frankly, 
The Jags need Trevor Lawrence to be the starter from a financial perspective, selling mm-hmm. tickets, selling jerseys, being interesting as a ball club. So there was no way that Garner Minshew was ever going to start over Trevor Lawrence. So I at least appreciate the fact that Urban Meyer gave up the ruse and kept it real and, and finally installed Trevor Lawrence as the for sure day one, week one starter. I think uh, the collective eye roll of the NFL community can end now that that is uh, behind us. I think so as well. And it's it's likely the same position, maybe a little bit more relief in Cincinnati where you're going to see Joe Burrow actually start mm-hmm. a preseason game. And I think that's great. I, I think they did it the right way in taking it easy on him until yep. this tune-up game. In this new three-game preseason, I think this is the uh, the most important half of football in the preseason, and it looks mm-hmm. like Joe's going to get it. I feel like that sets him up to continue to develop not only in his recovery from his injury, which was significant, but right. also just continuing to evolve as an NFL quarterback to begin with. A familiar target in, in Jamar Chase helps him. Like mm-hmm. I feel like this is the best step, and I, I'm glad that they held him back a little bit until now. Uh, I'm pretty optimistic for him on the season. How are you? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that Burrow has limitations, of course. I don't think he has uh, top-tier elite arm strength. Uh, he had good pocket mobility. He wasn't a scrambler by any means, but really good pocket mobility as well. And before he got injured, if you go back and watch that Bengals versus Titans game, it was incredible what Joe Burrow was able to do, avoiding hits, making plays outside of the pocket, second reaction, all of that. So uh, after an ACL tear, how does that pocket presence, that pocket movement, is it up to par with what it was before? And what I do want to mention, you're talking about, you know, ramping up. I think this is a great move by the Bengals to get Joe Burrow out there for some time before the regular season. I'll go back to a guy who I mentioned earlier in the show and a former Cincinnati Bengal himself, but Andy Dalton in Chicago played the entire first half in the second preseason game and now won't play at all in the third preseason game. I do not like that philosophy at all. I'd like to see a crescendo, a gradual ramp up for these starters and these players. I prefer the Bengals' way of doing things. I cannot believe that I am saying that, but I prefer the Bengals' way of doing things here with the quarterback where you're crescendoing up, you're ramping up towards the regular season. I don't want a guy to go out there and play full go in game number two and then sit for game number three and wait three weeks before he sees live action again. I like what the Bengals are doing with Joe Burrow here, and as you did with the Sony Michelle trade. One extra thing to throw in here that wasn't on the docket, a quarterback competition. We did see Kyle Shanahan say today out there in San Francisco that he knows who the starting quarterback is going to be. Now, he didn't give the reporters exactly who it would be, but he said he has a quote-unquote pretty good idea of who the starter is going to be. They asked Jimmy G if he knows who the starter is going to be, and and like Shanahan, he didn't commit to anything, but he had a very big smile on his face and said that, yes, in fact, I think that I know who the starter will be as well. So looks like we are going to get Jimmy G as the starter out there in San Francisco. So a lot of quarterback battles. It's that time to answer those questions. (laughs) Jimmy might get the first start. Uh, Trey Lance is inevitable as well. Uh, He is going to, I think, take over rather quickly. I will not bet against him. But if I was going to bet against him, I would go to betonline.ag to get that done because they are about to hit the gridiron again. It's football season. It's about time. I've had all I can take in between here at this point. And yeah. betonline.ag is your number one spot for all your pro and college action that you want to get into the game. 
Get all the odds, props, contests, all of them, including the online biggest half million dollar mega contest, the world largest 200,000 NFL survivor contest as well. And they're all at betonline.ag. Head over to the website, use whatever device you like, and you'll get 100% welcome bonus. And that always helps as well. Uh, make sure you sign up for the opening day promo. That's important. You make a bet for the uh, September 9th game and win, lose, or draw. If you come out on the bottom end of that in the loss, you will get refunded up to $25 bet. For new customers only, do have to mention that. But bet online is the easiest and fastest way to get all your sports action into the game. Uh, for football, um, there are no other sports as far as I can tell, so forget about the rest of them. Um, you can use that promo code locked on over at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. <sighs> Our final segment of the day <laughs> will have a, a small debate, just just a tiny little debate about things. So it's been a a, a big story in the media, uh, really a, a fiery story if you talk to any reporters or anybody mm-hmm. who covers teams, because this is something that does affect their livelihood. That's understandable, but we'll get into the uh, the nuts and bolts. But essentially. Last year's protocol of not allowing reporters into the locker room will continue this year. And quite frankly, I think it's something that the NFL could just implement full time going forward. We'll see. But two years in a row now, reporters not allowed in the locker room. And Ryan, I will just let you take the lead on this one. Why do you think this happened? What are your thoughts on this procedure? Do you think it's good or bad? I think it's smart. I think the NFL made a decision to kind of limit any outside influence, mm-hmm. um, especially with the Delta variant. And we can we can have ad nauseum debates about vaccination. And all that. That's not what this right, is about. Right. It's about controlling your exposure to outside influence. And mm-hmm. so that part makes sense. But what I think is going under the radar is the fact that this changes the complexion of how the league is covered. And whether you're somebody who likes to read uh, blog sites or you're just listening to us as podcasters, a lot of the stories, especially the the detailed stories that come out, are when beat reporters have one-on-one time with a player where they can build a rapport and, and actually dig out some story from there. I think it varies by market, quite frankly. I think some are going to do better than others about doing like Zoom one-on-ones or, or whatever they can do. But for the most part, I feel like this limits the depth of what we're going to get in terms of coverage, not just from those AP sources or newspaper sources, but really across the whole gambit of NFL coverage. Well, I guess I I don't think that, I don't think that anything you said there was incorrect. First and foremost, it definitely does limit access, which is going to limit the amount of coverage that fans get of their teams. But one thing that I can I guess I'm not going to act like I'm somebody who spent time in locker rooms where there are reporters there. Nobody was coming into high school football games in the (laughs) locker room to, you know, with the notepad trying to get stories. But I just, I have always felt that the locker room is a sanctuary. The locker room is a safe place for the players, even outside of the coaches. There are coaches who believe that, you know, it's not their place in the locker room. They say what they got to say and they get out. That is for the players. It's where they feel most safe. Even some players, more than their own homes and their own families, is in the locker room with their teammates. So keeping outsiders who can, you know, we want the truth, but, you know, sometimes the truth is negative about these players. And when a player has reporters in the locker room, sometimes maybe they have to feel more guarded. They can't let their guard down to the the totality that they would hope to. And I think that keeping reporters out of the locker room is a long-time thing 
allows the players to have more comfortability in the locker room, which I don't think is, is a bad thing for, you know, things like their mental health and stuff like that. I don't want to make it, you know, like that's the number one thing. And also, I think one thing that comes into play here is a lot of athletes are telling their own story. Mm-hmm. Now you see things like the, the player's journal and things like that. I think that while it may make it more difficult on the traditional media to tell those stories that we're used to getting, I think it it's part of that change to where with social media, with some of these player-led publications, the players want to tell these stories themselves and control their own story rather than have someone else be the mouthpiece for them. So I think this is a, a a peg in a larger wave of the way that sports coverage is changing. And I, I do agree with a lot of your points, though. I, I guess I'm more on the fence than, uh, than I intimated earlier in the show. But I do think that there are some benefits here for the athlete specifically, and even for the fan. If the athlete is telling the story themselves rather than doing it through a journalist or a reporter, they might give you more information. You might get a better sense of the situation and be more empathetic and relate more to them by having them tell you their story or their situation. But I do think you're right in the sense there are little, little rumors, little whispers that reporters pick up on while they're in the locker room that leads to a, Hey, you know, so-and-so's mom is having some medical issues and he's having a hard time. And a reporter could go, Hey, you know, do you want to tell the story of you and your mother's relationship and honor her and let people know you know, how fantastic your mother was and how important she is to where you are today. And I think there are benefits for a player in that way. And maybe a player wouldn't tell that story if he didn't have someone come to him and say, hey, let me tell the story for you. Not everyone is adept to tell their own stories in professional sports as some players are. You know what I mean? That's that's just the way it is. Communication skills do vary based on the person. So I do agree with all the points you're making. I do see the other side of it as well. Either way, what we do know is the coverage is changing. The way that sports is being covered is changing. And I think there is potential that this will go like a lot of things that have happened throughout the pandemic. This is one thing that that may stick in our lives going forward and be a permanent change as a result of the pandemic. So we'll be interesting to watch going forward. But like you said, like I said, certainly a big change to the way that we are going to receive our NFL news. Yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, if you are somebody that wants to know these stories, that wants to take a step outside of just the statistics, because that's what eventually will boil down to without reporting, it will become a statistics-based coverage package. That's all there will be left. We will be here for you, us, everybody on this show, everybody on everything on Locked On, because that's what we do. We will absorb it. We will break it down for you. We'll give you our takes on what we see, whether it's actually reported or not. Make sure you stay here. If you're on YouTube, like, sub, do the click thing. Make sure that you get over on a non-Apple feed on your podcast. If you'd like to see us on time, maybe try Spotify. I'm just going to say that out loud. But we've enjoyed this. I I think this has been great. We're getting off to a good start, and we're actually ready for some real football. Grayson Q are going to have you tomorrow for Tyler Roland. I'm Ryan Tracy. Thanks for watching us today. We'll be back with you tomorrow.